Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Can we read that as a church today from the screen? Let's read it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Amen. I want to speak simply on this. Seeking the face of God. Seeking the face of God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence that is in this house. We thank you for your word. Lord, in this, un, in this changing world, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we have your unchanging word that is forever settled in heaven. Lord, it gives us hope, Lord God, in everything. Lord, it gives us instruction and correction, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that you breathe this word. And Lord, help us to receive it, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. You may be seated. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people... Somebody say amen. amen. Who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. You see, I believe there's something happening in the world today. I believe that revival is not coming. Revival is here. And we don't seek. Listen to me carefully right now. We don't seek revival. We seek his face. And when you seek his face revival will come as much as we may want to see revival in our lives as much as we may want to see revival in our church as much as we may want to see revival in our city we don't seek revival we seek his face and when you seek his face revival will come and I was curious to see what was happening, and some of you may know about it in the Asbury University over in America where some people just refused to stop seeking God's face. The service closed and people just kept on praying and seeking God's face, and people gathered from all around the world. Let me tell you, that is just the beginning. And let me tell you, as much as I, I want to see that in our church and in our city, I want to see revival. Let me tell you, it doesn't come by seeking revival. It comes by seeking His face. Whatever your need is today, it can be met if you would seek the face of God. To seek His face. It's a beautiful and a wonderful thing. I'm always just absolutely... I love it when somebody comes to Jesus for the first time and when they come and they give their life to Jesus and they turn over their life to Jesus and and God begins to move in their life and they're baptized God fills them with the Holy Spirit there's something just so beautiful when you see a new heart come to Jesus when the, when the tears of repentance are cried at an altar and you see them, they come the next Sunday and they're worshiping God with fervor. You know, they go out, they leave church and they don't leave church at church. They go out and they want to take church to the whole world. They go out, they want to tell somebody about Jesus. They're praying all the time. You know, new Christians, they, they pray about everything. 
When you go into a car park, they're praying, Lord, give me a car park. And you know what? God provides because they've got so much faith. They're praying for everybody. But that is a beautiful thing. And those, those tear-stained faces, such a passion for God and just wanting to tell the whole world that they have found the pearl of great price. Can anybody remember when you found that pearl? But however... When was the last time you as a believer were moved in the same way you were when you first came to Jesus? When was, have you left your first love? Jesus said to the church in Revelation, he said, I have one thing against you that you have left your first love. The relationship is no longer the same than when we first met. When you first came, when I first began to pour out my spirit and I began to move in your life, you have walked away. I want to ask every believer, when was the last time that you had that same passion and fervor for God? David knew what it was like to drift away. David even prayed a prayer. He said, God, I need restoration. I need restoration. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I want to go back to that joy. I want to go back to that feeling and that passion that I had when I was first saved. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And so what can happen is that we start living for God and then over time we can find ourselves becoming stale and stagnant, even unmoved. As the Spirit of God begins to move in church, we just stand there, sit there, whatever we do, and we just unmoved, we become indifferent to the things of God. Let me tell you, it's not a God problem, it's a you problem. I'm just going to say that. Oh, it's not a God problem. Oh, it's not a preacher problem. It's not a worship problem. It's not a song problem. You've just got to begin to just cry out to God and say, God, I love you. God, I need you to move in my life. I need you to revive me and stir me up. You see, if we're not careful, and I believe we can call it the sin of familiarity, we can become so familiar with the things of God that we're not even moved anymore by a move of God. See, don't let the church become just a congregation of spectators. Uh, I pray when we come into church, we say, Lord, I'm coming to church today. And Lord, I need you to do some open heart surgery on me. Uh, not just when I've had a bad week, but every day, God, come in, search my heart. Lord God, I need you to stir my heart. Lord God, I want you to stir this church again. Lord God, I want you to set me on fire again. I was always been intrigued by the Welsh Revival and it started when a man named Evan Roberts, he knelt with his arms over the seat in front of him, bathed in perspiration. And he prayed these words. He said, bend me, Lord. Bend me. Bend us. Bend the church. Bend me. And you think, what on earth does he mean by bend? Obviously, he was speaking in Welsh, but that's what the translation was, that God would bend us, that God would humble us, that God would break us. And I've read so much, and I think, well, what was the spark of that revival? How did such a revival take place? Because it wasn't just a Welsh thing. 
It wasn't just a local church thing, but that revival spilled Brother Victor outside of the church to all the churches around. It began to touch the nation of Wales and the surrounding nations. We've got people here in our church from Mizoram and the the, the state in Myanmar called the Chin State and the Welsh revival went all the way from Wales and it showed up in northeast India and there is still a church that is on fire for God because of something that happened in Wales a man who said God I need you to break us I need you to bend us God I want to see revival and so it wasn't a preacher He was just somebody that had a hunger for God. You see a man named Seth Joshua. He had closed the 7 o'clock in the morning breakfast meeting. And he cried out as he closed the message. He said, Lord, bend us. That was the minister, Seth Joshua. But there was somebody in the church named Evan Roberts. And the Spirit of God told him as, as the preacher said, Lord, bend us. The Spirit of God spoke to Evan Roberts and said, that is what you need. And he began to respond. He said, God, if that is what I need, then I'm not going to leave until I get it. And so he began to pray, Lord, bend me. More and more people began to gather again. You see, revival started with just one man who said, God, I'm not satisfied with just the status quo. I'm not satisfied with just an ordinary service. I'm not satisfied to go out the same way that I came in. Lord, bend me and it didn't just change the church it didn't just change the town it didn't just change the city but the whole nation and it went all around the world you see the revival even changed the way the people speak they would work in the mines in wales and and they were they those miners and they still are those miners are known for their foul tongues and they would have those, those, those horses there pulling the carts and the donkeys pulling the carts. And they used to use so much foul language to tell those donkeys to move and to give the, the horses instructions that one man wrote. He said, we can't even give instructions to our horses anymore because God's cleaned up our mouth. Amen. And some of us, let me just say that, we've got to be careful about our mouth. The words that are coming out of our mouth, filthy language. Let me tell you, just because you see it on TV doesn't mean you need to copy it. Don't be a copycat. Don't copy the world. Be careful of your mouth. Let me tell you, if you're a Christian and you didn't swear, but now you're swearing, I really doubt if you are a Christian at all. (laughs) I get tired of, I'm going off on a tangent, but I get tired of hearing Christians use language they shouldn't be using. But you know what? Those those Welsh miners, when the revival began to happen, God began to clean up their mouth. God began to do a revival in their heart and it spread all around the world. And in our text, we read it in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, everyone say, that's me. Everyone say, that's me. If they would humble themselves and pray. We're going to go into a week of prayer, then a 21 days of prayer. Let me tell you, God's getting ready to do something. If we would humble ourselves and pray. That, you know, humbling, when you get on your knees, that's why we get on our knees when we pray. We bow our knee, we stoop down, because humility is part of prayer. Really, the whole attitude of prayer is, God, I can't do it, so I'm calling on you. 
God, I am not enough. Unless you come, unless you move. You see, if you're proud, you won't pray. And if you're proud, the Bible says God resists the proud. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You can read that in James chapter 4, verse 6. And if we would willingly take a posture of humility before God without pretension, without pride, without going through the motions, without having an agenda, and just say, God, I'm humbling myself before you. I am submitting myself. Lord God, bend me. Humble me, God. He must increase. I must decrease. You see, even in the tabernacle, when they would go into the tabernacle in the wilderness, the first thing to go, even in there, they had to go through the gate. And it wasn't a gate that swung on hinges like that. The gate was actually a curtain that hung down, straight down. It was a a one-piece curtain. It didn't divide. No, they had to go. To go in that tabernacle, they had to go through the gate, which was a curtain. And to get in there, they had to stoop down. And they had to go under and into the gate. You see, if you're going to begin to approach God, you must approach him with humility. If if we would humble ourselves and pray, John chapter 3 verse 30 says, He must increase, I must decrease. Humility is also shown in the way that we worship. The way that we worship because when we worship, it is the word worth-ship. To worship is to attribute worth to something. And so to truly worship, you need to humble yourself and say, I'm not enough, but I attribute worship to you, God. I attribute worth to you. Lord, you are greater. Lord, you must increase in my life. I'm talking today about seeking the face of God. Now it says, if my people which are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. It says, if they would humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Everybody say, seek his face. Now, seeking is not just desiring. I mean, I can desire something, but I'm not just going to get it because I've got a desire. I've got to seek it. My desire, a hamburger, But unless I go and seek it, I'm not going to get it. Seeking God's face is more than just having a desire. Yes, it starts with a desire. Seeking God's face is more than just wishing something to change or, or wishing. But a desire is a longing within us. A desire is a a thirst and a longing and a a desire. It's there, but that when we seek, we are putting it into practice, saying, I'm going to go after it. And many people desire and long for many things, but they don't seek after them. And unless you begin to seek, you will not find. A man may long for a new job and you may desire a new job. You may wish you had a new job, but unless you seek it, you will not find. Find it. We've got to seek the face of God. We've got to seek it. You see, a person may desire all of these things. You may desire to be a musician, but unless you seek it, you will never become a musician. Many people fail. They've got all the right desires. They've got all the right wishes, but they never bring themselves to seek. And so it is with knowing God. If you want to know God, You've got to seek to know him. 
Not just a desire to know Him. Not just a wish that you would know Him. But a a desire that is put into action that we would seek God's face. And I want to encourage you today. Let's seek God's face in prayer. Let's seek God's face in worship. Let's seek God's face in prayer. Let's seek God's face in everything we do. God. I don't just desire, I don't just wish, but God, I want to know you more. I'm seeking to know you more. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If we would seek God's face, he will bring revival to our souls. You know, you can have revival without a testimony. You can have revival without singing, all of those things, but you can't have revival without seeking God's face. No wonder the disciples said, teach us to pray (laughs) they realize that the source and the fountain of all spiritual blessings comes from seeking God in prayer our lifeline with heaven is seeking his face you see the Bible talks in Job about the vapors going up and the rain coming down you know, it wasn't until after the Bible was written that people figured out where rain came from, that the, the evaporation went up and it formed clouds and then the rain came down. But jo- the book of Job already told us how rain comes. It comes from the vapors that go up and then the rain comes down. And let me tell you, when we begin to pray, God will begin to rain down on us. You see, that is a heavenly principle, that what goes up will come down again. And so if you want to know more of God, begin to seek His face, begin to send up worship begin to send up praise begin to send up prayers you see to know God that's what we want we want to seek his face to know him everyone say to know him the old saying says the window the eyes the eyes are the window to the soul and when we seek God's face we get to know him better because we're seeking his face. When you look into someone's face, you're actively listening to what they're saying. When you look into someone's face, you're better able to gauge their personality and everything like that. It's the same thing when we seek God's face. When we seek his face, we will know him more. And of course, we're not talking about actually seeing his face. And one day we will. But I'm talking about knowing God more in seeking his face. You see, Psalm 105 verse 4 says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. And some of you got translations that are different than the King James that I use. And that word seek his face means to seek his presence. To seek his face means to seek his presence. You see, I want to know God. And I want to know God more than I know him now. Let me tell you, you can knowing God is much more than just getting born again. Knowing God is much more than just knowing his blessing. Knowing God is much more than just getting your healing. I want to know God more. I got to seek his face. Oh, you know, there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. I've met a lot of people that know a lot about God, but they don't know God. I met a lot of people that don't know a lot about God, but they know a lot, they know God a lot because they seek his face. (laughs) You can know about God without even ever knowing God. 
You can find those sort of people in the places of theology and philosophy and, and Bible colleges and all those things, and I'm not against that. But in all your knowledge, make sure you know God. Don't fill your head full of stuff if you don't know God. I submit to you today that the greatest need of mankind is to know God for ourselves. Every young person here today, I submit to you that your greatest need is to know God for yourself. Get to know God. He's not just the God of your parents. He's your God as well. Oh, even the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul said, Oh, that I might know him. I thought you knew him. I want to know him more. Oh, that I might know him. There was a man, I preached about him a while ago, a man named Dennis Wise. He was one of the greatest fans of Elvis Presley. He became an Elvis Presley impersonator. He got his hairline changed. He got Botox. He got his face pumped up and all this sort of stuff. And somebody went and said to him, they said, you know what? You look just like Elvis Presley. He said, oh, thanks. Thank you very much. He could sing all the songs. And somebody went, once went up and said to him, I can tell. That you are enamored by Elvis Presley. But did you ever get to meet him? He said, no, I never met him. Did you ever know him? No, I've never known him. I saw him once at a distance from the gate of his house. As I was there, but I, I never knew him. You see, I believe there's a lot of Christians that are exactly the same. We look like Christians. We're great impersonators of Christians. But I tell you, we've got to know God. And that is our greatest need, church. That's what I want to see happen over this time of prayer and fasting. Let it, let us set, it, let it set us on a course to know God more. And if it's good enough for the Apostle Paul, Brother Leon, it's good for us. I want to know him more. You see, I, I, we've heard, some of us have heard enough preaching to save the whole world. But we still don't know God like we should. Some of us know how to sing about God. Yeah, we know how to praise and we know how to give thanksgiving and we clap and we shout and we dance. But I want to know God. Daniel 11 verse 32 says, The people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. <laughs> that's not to know about God, but that's to know God. That's, that's the Hebrew word yada or the Greek word gnosko which means to know. That's not just knowing about, but it's an intimate knowledge of God. That's it. The people that do have an intimate knowledge of God, a, a, a relationship with God, not just head knowledge. Head knowledge is part of it. You know God through His Word. But those who have an intimate knowledge of God will be strong and do exploits. If you can't trust God, if you're struggling with your faith, it's because you don't know God. And the flip side is true. An unknown God cannot be trusted. Pastor, an unknown God cannot be trusted. I mean, would you trust somebody with your children that you didn't know? Would you trust somebody with your money that you didn't know? Would you trust somebody with your life that you didn't know? You see, an unknown God cannot be trusted. When we get to know God, when we get to see His face, and we get to have that intimate, gnosko, yada relationship with God, then our faith will grow. Why? Because I know Him. 
I want to know God. And we know God by seeking his face. You say, well, I already know God. Well, I ask you today, on what level do you know him? Because a lot of people, they walk away from God. They go back to the world, not because they backslid, but they never slid forward. They never took those extra steps. They never went further in their knowledge of God. You see, there, there is so much more. There is a wonderland of glory beyond just being born again. You see, when you're born again, it's simply God just saying, hey, you're a child of God, Bill. Welcome to the family. If that's enough for you, I don't think so. I want to know my father. I want to know him. I don't want to be happy with just, you see, there's a wonder, wonderland of glory beyond just being born again. There's a wonderland of glory of just coming to church every Sunday. I want to know God. And Paul said, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness to know Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said, everything in this world is nothing. I consider it nothing. My sole desire is I want to know God more. I want to seek his face. And you know, the reality in Christianity today, and I'm a little bit fired up, forgive me. Come next Sunday, I might be quieter, maybe. The reality of many Christians is, is that we seek his hand, but we don't seek his face. We go in prayer. Why do we pray? Because we got needs. We need his hand to move. We need his hand to heal. We need his hand to provide. And many Christians, they, they are there and they're stagnant. Why? Because they're always at his hands, but they're never at his face. I, wanna, I want him to do this. I want him to do that. Yeah, that's all right. Bring your prayers and supplications to God and do it with thanksgiving. But once you've done, given your prayers and supplications and all your requests, say, God, God, just pour out your spirit. God, invade this room. God, I need to feel your presence. God, I'm seeking your face. Not just your hand, but I want to know you more. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, if you seek him, you will find him if you search for him with all of your heart. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 29 says, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Matthew 7 verse 7 says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Acts chapter 17 it says all of creation, the heaven and the earth, all those beautiful gum trees, all that beautiful scenery, it's all there. Why? So God could make us curious. When you stand on that mountain, you look at all of that and say, that is unbelievable. Look at God's creation. You know why God did it? He wants to make you curious. And that your curiosity would bring you to the point of wanting to know him. Because Acts chapter 17 verse 27 it follows that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. When you walk out and you see the trees and the flowers and the beautiful animals, let me tell you, God put it there to make you curious, to put something in your heart that you would begin to seek out, to try and find God, to seek his face. And the Bible says he is not far from any one. Of us if the musicians could come jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23 this may be in my top five favorite scriptures 
Jeremiah 9 verse 23. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. And you know, around church, there's a lot of people that glory in their wisdom. They think that knowing more of the Bible or being able to recite more scriptures somehow makes them more spiritual. But they don't know the God of the Bible. The prophet Jeremiah says, or the Lord says through the prophet Jeremiah, don't glory in your wisdom. Don't glory in your might. Don't glory in your riches. But you can glory in something. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understands and knoweth me. That is the only thing worth glorying about in this world. If you're going to be proud of something, be wholly proud of it, of course. But glory in the fact that you know God and that you have a relationship with Him. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. For I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. Look at this. This is my favorite part of the, that whole portion I just read. For in these things I delight. Read that again later. And this is what it says. Man's greatest need is God's greatest delight. Our greatest need is to know Him. God's greatest delight is to reveal Himself to us. If we would seek His face, He will reveal Himself. a bit full on pastor this world's pretty full on too I want to know God man's greatest need is God's greatest delight the last part says if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You see, that is the key to revival. You don't seek revival, you seek His face. You repent of your sin, you humble yourself, you pray and God will send revival. Let's stand all across this place. We read a lot about David and many people, if I was to go across this congregation to say, yes, David is my favorite. David was a man after God's own heart. You say, well, pastor, that's quite a, quite a thing. To be called a man after God's own heart, he must have been good, he must have been perfect. No, David was a man after God's own heart, not because he was perfect, but because he was repentant. There's no doubt that David loved God. And in Psalm chapter 51, we get a glimpse. It wasn't about his pedigree. It was not that he was flawless. It was not that he was perfect, but it was David's repentant heart. He said, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, 
According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. You see, David is repenting. He's saying, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Verse 7 says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, God, and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 10 says, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. And I pray right now that every single one of us would find a place of repentance right now. To turn from our wicked ways to turn from the familiarity in the presence of God and just be going through the motions, to turn from our lackadaisical attitude, to turn from that ho-hum sort of whatever sort of attitude and say, God, I want to seek your face afresh. Let there be repentance in this house right now. Let's find a place right now. Let every head be bowed. If you want to kneel at your chair right now, let's repent before the God of our salvation right now that God would restore our joy oh God I want to know you more in Jesus hallelujah Lord Jesus in the name of Jesus oh God Lord I want to know you more hallelujah